and welcome back to They Made Another One, which week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm your other host, Liam. And Mitch is back in town. Yes, I am. I'm back. I'm back in the cornfields. Back in the cornfield. No, 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 Mitch, this is our first time in the cornfield. We haven't done one of these yet. Maybe, wait, 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 wait. Maybe he's been in the cornfields before. Speak for yourself. We can't rule this out. I was born in the cornfields. My childhood was in the corn. You could say I am a child of the corn. Five. Fields of Terror. No, I'm actually. I only have three other siblings. I'm. The, I'm actually wow. the fourth child of the corn. <laughs> well, that was our misjudgment. We should have either watched Children of the Corn. Three people. We'll talk about this on a podcast. Or Children of the Corn. Four <laughs> siblings. <laughs> Did I just dox you? Should I censor that? <laughs> oh, I don't really I care. Censor. I don't really I'll care. Censor it. I think it's funnier if I censor it. <laughs> 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 so. Mitch is back. We're here. Uh, it's going to get corny. But perhaps more importantly, it's going to get a little bit Stephen King. It's going to get long-running horror franchise. There's a lot of stuff going on that I think is um, well-tread territory for us. But Mitch, I think it's fair to say this is the first time we've had you on for something that's more in our wheelhouse than yours. Yeah, yeah. I was really just uh, a husk of my former self after I saw this movie. Mm, a husk, you say? Yep. Much like corn. Holy yep. shit. I didn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> Liam is like, whoa, this is our podcast is so cerebral. I'm podcasting with two really clever guys. <laughs> <laughs> so so Mitch, I, I just wanna I wanna start here. Um how did you feel uh how did you feel when we picked this last time like what was going through your head you're like okay i'm gonna sit down i'm gonna watch children of the corn v fields of terror the feature film debut of ava mendez how did you feel about that well uh, i was just awash with with terror the fields of it actually (laughs) and uh yeah, I mean, I was not looking forward to seeing this, and I feel like I say I say that every week that I'm on the show. It's like, yep, this is uh, this is not it. But this is the one that gets me every every week. I just I just find myself getting deeper and deeper into this endless field, no end in sight. That's how it happens. That's how we get. Yeah, here. and as a policy, I mean, I typically don't like movies that have killer kids in them i just don't they don't i, I don't like child Ooh. actors like period as a policy that's uh, the rule i live my life by yeah it's a it's a, a sacred tenant but <laughs> yeah it just does i, I don't do it except for a village of the damned because i like george sanders but um no george sanders in sight in this film not no, one no not one george sanders okay i think that's fair i think a lot of people probably are not that like uh, child actors are a bit of a tough sell, and certainly based on the title, you would assume this movie is going to rely pretty heavily on them. Not really the case, um, which you know is going to have pros and cons. But uh, yeah, I think I think in the grand scheme of things, um, you certainly could have fared worse in terms of getting inaugurated into this kind of film. Probably could have done a little bit better, but you know, we'll figure that out. Uh, in terms of Children of the Corn, as we discovered last week, there's 1,600 of these films. 
Just an endless and, and count. I think a new one came out since we started this episode. Like it's, honestly, it's, it, wouldn't be it's, surprised. It's so hard to keep track. I I was doing some reading about Children of the Corn after seeing this, and you know I'm, I'm like looking up some reviews or some news news articles, trying to figure out how the heck there are so many of these. And every single article would say, every single article would say there's a different amount of Children of the Corn movies. And I would have to look at the date, and like some of these articles would be like six months apart. But it's like, oh no, now there's now there's nine of them. Now there's ten of them. It is truly amazing. And wow. I, I will say right now that I was not able to figure out why there are so many of these movies. And I think one day there is going to be a an amazing book or a documentary written about it because it truly is one of the most fascinating horror franchises out there in that there's so many but no one talks about them like my guess is that it's some sort of like tax scheme (laughs) i i i don't know i don't it's really strange i think they just i i think you know i think a tax scheme is much more compelling i honestly think a people know what the phrase children of the corn is it's a good it, phrase, too. It is. It's a snappy phrase. Thanks for that one, Steve. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they just grow like wildfire or, or like a field of corn. But, you know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, but I think what it comes down to is every single one of these movies can have the exact same plot. And it doesn't matter. And they're cheap to make. I mean, all I you think, need is think, a farmer's yeah. field, right? And like I a few kids. Easily replicable. Teens will go see them. Children of the Corn is a phrase. You know it, you love it. Put it on my tombstone. <laughs> Corey Price, he died as he lived being a child of the corn. <laughs> and um, you, well, you've also got to note that like teens weren't going to see these. They were going to pick them up at the video store, right? After number one. Fair enough. You know, well, let me, let me fact check. Number two. Well, this one, this one went theatrical. to... Uh, by the time we're at the fifth, we are definitely. Uh, this one went to video. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that for free. It wasn't a theatrical um, release. No, uh, no, oh, no way. No. Okay. No. Uh, so number two was a theatrical release, though it was. Um, it was. Uh, nine years after that original children of the corn movie so it's not like the first movie came out and it was meant to spawn a franchise this thing it it had a bit of its life a life all by itself it was a solo movie and then uh something happened in the 90s someone had a great idea and in 1993 we got the theatrical release children of the corn 2 the final sacrifice and then from that point on they have all been that's their first mistake (laughs) yes putting final in the subtitle of the second movie yeah, well, maybe, maybe at that point they didn't know. Maybe it's actually the third movie that that did the that set the precedent. I don't know. So, it's am- so it's this amazing. movie, this movie's release date is actually 1998, but it got released on VHS and DVD in 2001. Hmm. Interesting. So presumably, it just sat around for a while, waiting patiently. <laughs> but then, yeah. inexplicably, you have Children of the Corn six 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 Isaac returns released in 1999 went straight to video in 1999 so somebody uh writing the history of the children of the corn franchise something ain't right yes and please contact us we'd be glad to do an interview about the movie or at least about our confusion if you're doing a documentary or a book we'd we'd put a line in there tmao podcast at gmail.com thank you thank you 
Um, so what are your guys' familiarity with this long-running corn series? Mitch, mm. you want to take it? Yeah, so I've I've not seen... Actually, I think I saw the first Children of the Corn movie when I was very young. But I've read the book. I read the book on a train in Vietnam. Uh, oh, hell yeah, a, dude. Just a short story. Uh, and uh, I really liked it. Like, I, I, I remember it quite clearly. And uh, I, I was a fan of it. And beyond that, I have not delved into the other... 11 children of the corn movies but that is i guess the extent of my experience mitch when you read that story is that because you had the the night shift collection or one of those stephen king collections or was it just the short this short story that you sought out no i had the night i had the whole night shift which is phenomenal uh there's so many good short stories in there like smokers incorporated and uh and uh there's just so many, so many good ones in there that I that I really, really love. I'm a big fan of Stephen King's work. Uh, I've I've read quite a few of his of his books. Particularly, I liked his short stories when I was traveling because they're so like quick to read. And I I read like I don't know, <laughs> like in on a cab, like on the way home from work or something, or you know, just like stuff like that. So I'm a fan of his short stories, like Dolan's Cadillac. That one slaps too. But yes. Yeah, yeah. And the 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 amount of those short stories from Night Shift that got turned into movies, particularly once the Stephen King movie train started rolling along is just amazing. I mean, so many of those have become C-grade Stephen King adaptations. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, many of them with James Woods. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's another story. Is this a short story collection? I yeah. am out of my depth when it comes to King chat. Yeah, it is. It is. I think he he published it. It's one of his earlier ones. Um, what are some other bangers in that book? It honestly, I don't know if it'll be anything you've heard of, Corey. But some of the other uh, stories that became movies, um, you've got trucks. Oh, I know trucks because that's we've threatened to do that on this podcast. That's right. <laughs> you've got you've got the Mangler. You've got sometimes they come back. Graveyard shift. And uh, Jerusalem's Lot. Jerusalem's was, Lot is, is excellent, too. How but, many books did he do that are just someone's lot? Well, there's Salem's Lot, which is also uh-huh. a really great movie. Like, I don't know if you've seen it. James Mason plays a vampire. It's fucking dope. That um, sounds sick. <laughs> but like, he's, like the, he's the right guy to cast as a vampire, for sure. Yeah, another one of, another one of King's sort of short stories collections that I love was Nightmares and Dreamscapes. That's, that was another one that I read when I was traveling. Yes. And again, there's, yeah. a, there's like an absurd amount of like made-for-TV adaptations there. I wonder like how much Stephen King benefited from the Children of the Corn movies. Like does he does, – he must be paid some kind of royalty because it's his intellectual property and they're, they're like growing on it. These movies must be making – well, probably not a lot of money for him, but he must be getting, you know, a lump sum. <laughs> oh, definitely. I mean, I, I thought it was so funny that at the beginning of Children of the Corn 5, it says based on the short story by Stephen King. You know, like I, it, it has to say that, of course. But when you're at the fifth movie of uh, 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 that is adapted from a short story, you know, the, you got to imagine, OK, they, they had to cover all this ground in the first movie. And now we're at the fifth movie and it's still saying based on the story by Stephen King. So he's definitely getting money, but I, I'd say he hasn't seen them as yeah. would be my guess. And, you know, this one doesn't really look like that much like the original text. I guess it's got the icon- iconography, but 
it looks more to me like Troll 2 than it does to that's what, Children of the Corn. <laughs> that's what all of these sequels are, though. Um, yeah. I think in our experience, we've learned that valuable lesson time and time again, where often reboots or sequels will be like, well, we've got the iconography. Everybody like everybody can point and go, that's Jason Voorhees. And then it doesn't matter what's around it because they know people will go see a movie that's got Jason Voorhees or Corn. And uh, you can just sort of roll with that. I think a lot of movies sort of rest on the laurels of that. Uh, this is no exception. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you've got kids killing people with farming instruments, you've got it made in the shade. Honestly. <laughs> Liam, had you seen any of the other movies? I feel like you were the most likely one to have done so. Sure. Uh, yeah, you know, I hadn't prior to this episode. Um, my experience with Children of the Corn is that I've... I've known about the title throughout my entire life because it is just a great title. I mean, I, f- just from that, I can understand yeah, how there's so many movies. One. Yeah. <laughs> and the poster for that original Children of the Corn movie is so good. I would stare at that in my video store when I was a kid. And I just thought this has to be the scariest movie ever made. You know, it's it's the one where the silhouette is holding a... Uh, would that be like a, a, a scythe of some a scythe yeah a scythe um over a red sky and there's a cornfield at the bottom and i've only just noticed uh in the days leading up to this episode that within that cornfield there are eyes of children um i had i don't think i had caught that when i was a kid but i just thought that arm and scythe coupled with the name knowing that it's a kid holding that thing scared me so much as a child and i thought oh my gosh, this has to be the scariest movie that's ever existed. But I never rented it. Um, and I never ended up watching any of these movies. I mean, one, because uh, there are just so many other heavy hitter Stephen King movies that I got to. And two, I, I had never... You watching trucks. <laughs> that's right, yeah. And I had never read the short story because I, um, I'm also a huge Stephen King fan. He's my favorite author for sure. Uh, but I was limited to the Stephen King books that my local library had and Night Shift wasn't one of them. So I had never got around to basically any of those stories. Um, and uh, I, Children of the Corn, I had, I had never read it. And so that never gave me the push to watch <clears throat> when I think about my childhood, I just <laughs> checked up. Um, I never had that push to watch the movie, though I think even if not for this podcast, I would have gotten to it eventually. Um, I, I've just recently started watching a horror YouTuber on, um, well, on YouTube, where else? And uh, his name is Christian Hanna, and his favorite Stephen King adaptation is actually Children of the Corn. And I, I, I heard that, and I just... I had to respect it. I mean, like my favorite Stephen, <laughs> my favorite Stephen King adaptation might be Pet Cemetery, another killer kid movie. And I was just thinking, there's got to be something. There's got to be something in that movie. But also, um, the Children of the Corn movies. I've never since since coming of age and and going on the internet. I've never been able to separate. <laughs> Who that... among us will next reach eighteen years of age? <laughs> you know, that's... I've, I've never. Go ahead, Mitch. I was gonna say, who of us will next reach 18 years of age was me in my first year dorm asking who's going to Quebec to get <laughs> boost. <laughs> Gotta get those drinks somehow. Yeah. Um, I've, uh, in, in the last, you know, decade plus, I've never really been able to separate the children, the original Children of the Corn movie from 
all the sequels, I've just known that Children of the Corn is that massive franchise. And that sort of deterred me from watching that original movie. I think it, it sort of lowers that movie's reputation, whatever reputation that might have had. Um and uh, so in learning that that movie was actually all by itself for like nine years, I, I, that gives me even more uh, <clears throat> interest in checking it out. And I just learned that recently as well. I could have sworn that Children of the Corn um, was uh, an early 90s horror movie, but it turns out it's actually 84. It was, uh, by my count, the first Stephen King film that came out that was based on a short story. The only other thing that came out beforehand would be creep show which is an anthology movie you know based on a couple short stories and then some original stories written for the screen um but beyond that uh you've just got a bunch of heavy hitters before it christine cujo the shining carrie and so children of the corn to me kind of shows that okay this is the stephen king the stephen king craze is really hitting off in the mid 80s uh they're they're mining all sorts of material and i can see why children of the corn is the first short story you go to just because the premise is so ripe and the short the story is succinct enough that it's going to be the one um that can can give you a lot of room to play around with and and i know that because uh i read the short story before before doing this episode i uh i read the short story and then i watched the original movie and then i watched this one um yeah. in preparation it really is made for for film like the, the the short story just like with his description of of the cornfields and and how they go he's got a very um a very visual way of describing things. And he incorporates like all the senses and creates quite an atmosphere that translates over beautifully to film. So it's a no brainer that this movie exists really, or that there's so many of them because the original text is just so lush with that sort of description that um, translates over so beautifully to the screen. Yeah. yeah. Well put, well put. Yeah. I'm not going to beat that. So, uh, how about we talk with the cast and crew? Because, you know, I ain't winning. It's out of my depth. <laughs> so this uh, is is this totally new for you, Corey? Children of the Corn? Oh, yeah. As per um, with many horror franchises, I'm late to the party. AP. This is, this is no exception. So, yeah, I figured we could just gloss over me. And cool. uh, the cast and crew has a lot of fun tidbits for us to kind of dig into here. Stuff we could cover later. Stuff we've covered previously. Stuff I talk about on a different podcast entirely. We got a lot of options here. First, one of these guys is my dad. I mean, all sorts of avenues <laughs> are covered in this movie. Um, writer director is Ethan Wiley, who uh, worked on the on part of the soundtrack for Jason X, uh, which I thought was interesting. But more importantly, is also the writer director on House Two: The Second Story. Damn, nice. That is on our list. I it is it. on our list. It's also um, friend of the show Ben Meckler's like one of his favorites as i understand i mentioned that we were doing it and that that was the connection and he got very excited so maybe that's a vouch that we need to get to that movie soon i don't know i don't actually know anything about house two the second story it's i'm assuming title. it's a little bit taller than the first one yeah like house like the japanese film no okay, okay you okay. were the second person to ask me that because keiki our roommate sort of communally across time yep. also was like is it that one and i'm like no it's not that one well, yeah, that I mean, unfortunately, 
Unfortunately, yeah, no <laughs> no sequel for that because that would be fun to talk about on the podcast. But no, House is like a it's an eighties. Is it like kinda Poltergeist kind of? It is sort of like Poltergeist, but more goofy. Um, cool. But yeah, it's a eighties horror movie. Yeah. yeah. So this guy, if nothing else, he has had a horror franchise in his hands before. Um, editor is Peter Devaney Flanagan, who worked on <laughs> The Prophecy Three: The Descent. Dracula 2001 and single white female 2 the psycho. Wow, that is wow, All we need we, we need, could do. we need to, we need to do a that guy month. <laughs> Honestly, we could and we could totally get away with it. Um were you laughing at Devaney Mitch? I'm I'm laughing at his name, but <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, it's a good name. Uh yeah. somebody with a much more conventional name, David Lewis, cinematographer. <laughs> um Leprechaun 3 uh, which we recently did. So then also, as we've previously discussed, it turns out he did Leprechaun 4 in space, UHF, Pee-wee's Playhouse. He gets around. Um, last but not least, music is by Paul Rabjohns, who we've also heard about before uh, because he did the music for Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. Wow. And uh, also, uh, Armor of God 2, Operation Condor, which is a Jackie Chan movie. And um, he was the music editor on, these are mostly for bitch, on Magnolia and There Will Be Blood. Damn. Guy gets also, the, the guy music gets editor, also the music editor on Fast and Furious 6 through 9 and Aquaman. So I've seen his, I've seen his work. I've heard his <laughs> so, work. I'm well familiar. Yeah, so they get to the cast. There's some fun stuff in here, too. So we've got Stacey Galena, who's Allison. Uh, Alexis Arquette is Greg. And then the feature film debut of Mortal Kombat Conquest star Ava Mendez <laughs> who shows up in one episode of that show. It's the same year, 1998. She's finally breaking onto the big screen from the humble beginnings of Mortal Kombat Conquest. Ava Mendez. Yes, that Ava Mendez. The famous one. Man. For- I- <laughs> Corey, when you told me at the end of last episode as we as we learned that we were doing this movie that Ava Mendez was Mortal Kombat uh, conquest and you know yep. that was her debut and then th- and then this is her big movie start i thought that that was her only significance i had no idea she was famous i'm learning this just now wow really yeah and i've seen she, you, i've seen a lot of her movies movies she's in like Did, i've heard you talk about movies that she's in yeah didn't recognize her i mean i love training day i love the place behind the pines but uh yeah did not and know that cool friend of the show ava mendez um Adam Wiley plays Ezekiel, who I guess is basically like the main kid. Liam, do you know what he was in? Return to Sleepaway Camp. Return to... He plays weed. Yes, he does play weed. He's also in All Dogs Go to Heaven. Just two. All Dogs Go to Heaven 2. Excuse me, the second sequel. Pardon me. And Child's Play 2. A lot of voice roles, this dude. I was trying to figure out throughout the entire movie where (laughs) I recognized him from. It was Return to Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, I gotta admit, it didn't come to me. I had to look it up, (laughs) and then I got it. Oh my gosh, it hit, and it hit hard. And now we have Greg Vaughn, who is playing Tyrus. But you might know him better from Mortal Kombat Conquest. (laughs) No way. Yeah, um, they were not in the same episode, but Greg Vaughn played a character named Cabral for one episode on mortal kombat conquest he's he fucking sucks that episode is probably the worst one i wow. don't think it's his fault but that's what's notable for me ava mendez to be completely honest i don't even remember her character's name so on the podcast we just say ava mendez 
because it's easier. Um, and uh, she was in one different episode. She is like uh, the wife of a brother of one of the main characters. So we've got two Mortal Kombat Conquest alumni from 1998. Yeah, you know, I'm starting to think you have some kind of Mortal Kombat Conquest agenda here. It's it's, <laughs> it's entirely possible. To be honest, I didn't even realize when we landed on this one that it was the very same. And uh, Neil, who I do that show with, had to remind me that it was the Ava Mendez one. And I was like, no shit, it is. So go listen to MK PodQuest. You can learn more about that moving on. Uh, Angela Jones. Ahmet Zappa is in this movie related to Frank. Zappa, that is. Mm. Um, David Carradine, everyone's favorite Lizzie McGuire mainstay. Olivia Burnett is in this movie. She's in The Quick and the Dead, apparently. That's neat. Uh, Matthew Tate. Fred Williamson is the sheriff. As we all know, Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide is where we know Fred Williamson from. That's pretty tight. David Buzada is Jacob. And last but not least, the bartender is played by none other than Kane Hodder. Yes. When when he showed up, I knew there was going to be some sort of wicked stunt in this movie. I yeah. thought there's no way they cast this dude as the bartender and they're not yeah, going to have him Kane do something Hodder. wicked. Yeah. Um, so actually like a pretty like stacked, you know, situation here. Lots of perfectly capable people. To carry yeah, us I mean, through this film. You got to think like direct to video in the late 90s. It, this isn't uh, necessarily what it is today, where it's people y- you haven't heard of and likely won't hear <laughs> this of. It's Disney banishing Cinderella 4 to the Shadow Realm. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is a it's a it's a good stomping ground for actors. I mean, they video sales brought in a lot of money back then, and so it's just a it's just one role of many. It's cool to see. Yeah, and so this movie has a very simple plot. Um, there's a little boy who gets possessed by the corn demon and um, he and David Carradine have this sort of religious fanatic corn based cult and they do some killing meanwhile we have uh, rowdy college teens and they're they're attempting to I believe do something respectful with their friends ashes uh and they are driving around, you know, doing stuff teens do, vandalizing the town with blow-up dolls, driving their cars into the ditch, getting lost, arguing, getting killed by the corn children. It's this whole thing. So we have our main group of four college students who are like, huh, our friends were supposed to meet us here in this weird small town where it seems like nobody wants us here. And they have a weird, permanently burning corn silo that smells like popcorn. Wonder what the deal with that is. Um, they sort of get told, hey, they should probably leave this town. But they get curious. It turns out that Allison, who's the protagonist of sorts, had a bit of an ulterior motive. She's looking for her brother who got caught up in some corn cult business. And um, Ava Mendez gets all swept up in the corn cult business. She ends up falling into the big silo. And uh, basically, they're getting like a- a- assaulted, accosted, assailed by the corn children. And they need to get away and they need to try to get Allison's brother. I want to read a-, a line from the Wikipedia uh, description because it's truly, it's truly remarkable stuff. Um, 
Allison eventually finds her brother captured by Ezekiel for disobeying him. And before dying, he tells her how to stop the corn god. Ezekiel tries to kill Allison, but after a struggle, <laughs> sends him falling into the silo to a violent, fiery death. She, send dumps, she then dumps fertilizer into the silo, killing the corn god in multiple explosions. Man. <laughs> Took him five movies to figure out you just gotta fertilize the corn god? Also, the corn god? That's what we're going with? That's he who walks behind the rose is just the corn god? <laughs> my gosh <laughs> shout out to whoever fucking wrote this fucking <laughs> <laughs> this description it's so good yeah i don't oh, i don't, really, I don't really eat corn because it doesn't really agree with my digestive system so that's just the corn god getting uh, revenge on me <laughs> i know but... the sixth movie at this point how do you think the corn god comes back from being fertilized and exploded well, it, to death? it's called it's called isaac's return mm. so maybe like he comes back John Franklin reprises his role. I think that would be a safe bet. Oh my god, Nancy Allen's in that movie. We gotta watch it now. Oh, Corey, don't worry. These This franchise is too huge and too unbelievable for us to yeah. not return to them. We love long-winded horror sequels with Nancy Allen. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's kind of our whole bag. Mm-hmm. Sounds mm-hmm. like it's her whole bag, too. Go we, watch so we gotta honor, three, gotta honor a movie, her work. A movie that fucking rules. You yes. too, Mitch. You didn't get to see that one. Go watch Poltergeist 3. You tough, won't regret it. Tough stuff. Get off this episode. But, <laughs> um, so really quick, uh, give me like a one-word description of what your expectations were. One word? Boring. Yeah, one word. Let's, do, let's try it. Let's mix it up a little bit here. Yeah, Liam said boring. Bad. Mine was corn, but I mean, I understand why yours were that. So uh, I thought this movie was going to have a lot of corn in it. Um, I felt like it lived up to my expectations, but so boring and bad are the other (laughs) metrics that we're going with. Well, I I feel Um, like it lived up to my expectations, too. Okay. Well, okay, Liam, I guess we can start with you. What did you think about Children of the Corn v. Fields of Terror? I thought it was pretty boring. Okay. Yeah, Mitch. What are, Mitch, what did you think about Children of the Corn v. Fields of Terror? All right, so I was not like down with watching this movie at all. I I always put them off to the last uh, to the last minute, especially if they're I expect them to be real stinkers, and I expected this one to be stinkier than a burning corn silo. But I was honestly like pleasantly surprised in the sense that i was like this is not a good movie but it is very watchable you know what i mean like sometimes it's like i don't even want to i don't even want to like watch this like I, I i want out i want out but thankfully the runtime is short and i thought that it was the pacing was decent enough and there were some interesting performances from actors that i like so um you know, I I didn't like it, but I was like pretty watchable. Like if if this was like 2007 and I was in a hotel at, like with my parents or whatever, and and we just like this was the only thing on, like next to like the news and some other crap. Like, you know, I probably would have gone with this. I think that's a fair way of thinking about it. That's uh, a really good review. Damn, I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's not a good it's not a good movie. Like I I'm never going to watch this movie again. But I like 
I think, like, David Carradine is, like, the king of camp, and so even though, like, you can tell that he's only there and, like, the scenes that they shot, like, there's only, like, three scenes and he's just, like, in a room and they probably got him on the cheap for, like, those particular scenes, like, I don't know. I like David Carradine enough. I liked it. I liked a few of the other performances. The guy who plays the police officer, um, like, I enjoyed it enough, but I will never revisit it again. I think it's important to note that I don't think we often expect to uh, end up revisiting um, a lot of what we end up seeing. So I think it's a perfectly reasonable assessment to be like, you know. Never again, but I'm good, you know? Uh, Liam, I guess I'll, I'll go to you quickly. Do you expect to ever feel like watching this movie again? I, I don't expect it. I wouldn't rule it out just because in the last year or two years, I've really started to embrace my, my corner of, uh, of film watching. And, and that corner is just like a lot of at least at this point in my life, a lot of low-budget, slasher-esque horror movies, uh, direct-to-video, I think is a lot of fun. Um, And while I stand by what I say about this movie being boring, I was also being a bit facetious there just to uh, say that my expectations were met with my one-word answer. And I... and. um, but I, I do, I think this movie does, is more than that. You know, I'm, I wouldn't just cast it off with a boring, I'm, I'm pretty in line with Mitch. And um, because I anticipate seeing every one of these movies at, at some point throughout my life, um, I, I can't rule out ever, I mean, revisiting the one that started it all for, for some reason or another. Uh, or if, if, cable ever comes back into the world and this movie is on cable i'm with mitch i was thinking the exact same thing that if this movie were on tv yeah i would would watch it front to back and um when i was talking to brianna after watching the movie about you know am i gonna watch the other movies um which i anticipate feeling very similar to this movie i bet there's some gems in there 11 movies there are gonna be some that i like more than this one some that i like less um she said are you gonna watch the others and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to put them all on right now. I'm not going to mainline the franchise the way that I just did all the Friday the 13th and Nightmare movies. But if any of them were on cable, if we had cable right now instead of access to any movie that we want ever, if we just had cable <laughs> and one of them was on, yeah, I would watch it knowing that it'll likely be similar to what I just got with yeah. this movie. So, um, though no, I we, did... bar- we barely had access to this movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's another story. <laughs> um, you know, if they come out with like a wicked Blu-ray box set of all these movies one day with commentary tracks and stuff, I would absolutely pick that up. Um, so while I do think there is a, a decent patch of this movie that is boring, um, I also think that there's, there's some stuff to like. And also just because it is uh, simply like low budget, direct-to-video horror schlock uh, that's i think that's really watchable and so uh the movie comes out a, a pretty even even split i'd give it like a a five out of ten or so in general that's where i'm at with this one yeah yeah i'm probably th- the same i think i'm i'm in a similar boat um it's definitely watchable it's definitely not especially interesting and i feel like it doesn't do a good job of like keeping your attention which is not something unusual for a lot of the movies we end up seeing i do want to commend this movie for one thing which is that um 
I feel like it's it's very weird in certain scenes, and it's it's clearly got intentional comedy in it that I occasionally do think is funny. I feel like with a lot of these movies, you get like a bunch of lame shit that you laugh at, and the movie's clearly trying to be taken really seriously and just failing. But in this case, I think that um, there are a couple like throwaway lines of dialogue and um, things like that that are meant to get a laugh that do get a laugh. And I want to give the movie credit for that. But like, it's it's like you could put this on in the background in like a waiting room. And like that's probably where it's best at home. What, what waiting rooms do you sit in? I mean, <laughs> um, where it's got cool ch- ones. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you'd have an infinite loop of just like children with farming instruments killing people in cornfields because there's oh. so there's so many. Like you could have a I know where. In an indefinite loop where I went to the John Deere dealership. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. These people are like an agrarian people. I think they're I think they're kind of opposed <laughs> to that sort of culture. But what John Deere is trying to do is show you why that's a mistake and encourage you to get a big cool tractor. Yeah. Well, that's the like, thing. If you, did, if you don't get a tractor, your kids are going to murder people in fields right. with farming instruments. If you if you don't come down to Jameson's John Deere dealership and purchase yourself a big beautiful green tractor your son is gonna go out into the rain and forest lightning a pilgrim to death <laughs> that cornfield that cornfield belongs to us i am going to levitate you and then it's going to use the same sound effect from morrowind and all the doors are the same sound effects from morrowind <laughs> and i only know this because i've been playing a preposterous amount of morrowind even <laughs> like the even when they're fully addicted to Morrowind. Yeah, even when like the guy's like fiddling with the lock, it's the Morrowind lock picking sound effect, and I know that because my character has a lock picking skill of twenty, so I'm always doing it, and it takes forever. Um, so I'm very well acquainted with that particular sound effect. But the doors opening, the lightning bolt sound effect, which really got me because my character is a mage. But I digress. You know, there's there is a lot to love about this movie. The, the the sequencing in some cases I think is particularly effective. There's some interesting ideas that goes into building the suspense that you don't necessarily see in other places. I also think the practical gore is really well done as well. Like when David Carradine's head explodes, I was like, hey, oh, like like scan. That was awesome. Um so I think there's there's a lot to unpack and there's a lot of things that they do reasonably well i'm not going to say it's the best i've ever seen but reasonably well like the sequence for example where that one guy is under the bed and i I, i'm not like very claustrophobic but like i don't like love small spaces and when he's trapped under the bed and one guy's got a blowtorch and the other girl has a drill and then he just like does a little self-immolation and blows everybody up like that, I believe he was under a car. Is it a car or a bed? I thought wasn't he not fixing the car? And oh like no, he's car? under. He's, he's totally under a car. You're right. Um, sorry. In I any know. case, in any event, I'm glad you weren't here for the descent part too. I know. Very uh, deeply. Well, I watched film. the damn movie and then I couldn't make it on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Mitch, 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 do you think that that sequence in Children of the Corn Five depicted claustrophobia better than the Descent Part Two? No. Okay. Okay. It would have um, been amazing had you said yes. <laughs> but I don't think the Descent Part Two does a particularly great job at depicting it either. I mean, I didn't listen to your last episode, so I don't know how you how you feel about it, but. <laughs> 
I like the entire time I was there, I was like, I this was guy like, doesn't even listen to the show. Hey, I do. But like, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't on the episode and I'm a narcissist. So I mean, what do you want? <laughs> but yeah, um, I thought that that scene kind of made me queasy because it was like, it's kind of like that age old question. Like, would you rather be, uh, would you rather, you know, burn to death or, or be stabbed? And so it's got like, it's got that sort of like schoolyard um, questioning, like from when you were a kid and you're it's got like that sort of schoolyard dynamic and it, but it, it's implemented into the film and like, Oh, you can either do this or you could do that. Um, like that thousand ways to die mentality. Um, yeah. I, I really like that sequence too, Mitch. That was, I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah. So there are, there are things to like here, but, uh, there's also a lot of things not to like, and it's all done with this wonderful sort of, um, like you are in firm territory of like nineties, like made for TV movie. They open with like the beast cam and you know, precisely what you're going to get. I mean, it basically is that right. Yeah. It's like like barely over 80 minutes, like straight to video. It knows what it is. And I think this movie is perfectly fine knowing what it is when the movie has dialogue. Like I think it's a foot, sir. And then we'll all be damned. That's the big toe right there. It matches the other one. And then they just dump it in a body bag. And it's like a thing like, of ground beef or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the, it's like the goopiest foot in the world. Like, you know what yeah. you're in for, right? Um, Mitch, really quick, a line I wanted to point out to you that I'm sure you noticed is a, uh, uh, Lucas Enright's kind of a queer duck keeps to himself. Mostly kind of like Howard Hughes. Yeah, I know I, that, I, that kind of perked my ex- yeah. kind of like Howard Hughes, but without the money. Yeah. I love exposition <laughs> yes. from these bar men. Yeah. Um, I think for starters, the thing I want to talk about is like, I feel like this, this movie's like, I don't give a fuck. Like, we're just going to do whatever we want in that. Like the camera is all over the map. Like, yeah, it's like up Dutch their nostril, angle, sideways, up their in the nostril. sky, on the ground, up a nose. Who fucking cares? Yeah, it's all over the map, which is kind of fun. Like, it's uh, I I don't think that this movie is is poorly shot by by any means. Uh, like I said, infinitely watchable. So yeah, and I mean, I'm not gonna be the person that's like, hey, don't shoot it on a Dutch angle when you have college teens stealing corn from a field while throwing fucking sex dolls everywhere shoot that however you want (laughs) you know who cares like whatever yeah i mean the subject matter i mean it doesn't really matter how you shoot it you kind of know what you're gonna get there is an extremely jarring cut near the beginning of this movie where it goes straight from man getting force lightning to death by a child to man inflating a sex doll that is quite. That is quite a connection of ideas. It's, it's so good. It's so funny. And then it's just like instant clunky card exposition about like having their friend Kurt in an urn. Yeah. And like, and he's all over. The, you know, I wonder what Eisenstein would say. But that's uh, a <laughs> that's another. Story. We have to think about the Kuleshov effect. <laughs> and how it contributes the children of the corn five another thing that um, i wrote down in all caps was smeet but <laughs> dude this smeet joke is so good okay we're all over the place Sorry. but the smeet joke this no no no, it's fine the smeet joke is really good i like that they spent so much time doing a 
a spam joke with like a prop and everything. Yeah. And um, oh, fuck, there's just like so much to unpack with this movie. Like, like their friends, like ambiguous bungee jumping demise. Like, was it a suicide? Like, was when it? They're like, when, when they're like, oh man, we all thought bungee jumping was so safe. That's what I mean when the lines are like actually pretty funny. <laughs> you never know when they're going to call your number. Maybe you're, maybe you're bungee jumping. <laughs> Oh man, it's so good. It's so and then, but for all the good scenes like that, you have fucking Cabral. I'm just gonna call him that because it's a Mortal Kombat name. Cabral and Ava Mendez, like in that bedroom, and then it's like he looks like he's gonna proposition her in a moment of emotional vulnerability, and then he decides not to. But then we get that I don't want to be alone classic line, and just like ugh. And like Ava Mendez is not on the top of her game, and neither is Greg Vaughn. And it's just like, man, this maybe, is not maybe. Great. I think Greg Vaughn might have been at the top of his game. I mean, <laughs> this honestly, dude, I can vouch for the fact that he was not at the top of his game. I don't this think dude, anybody is here, but that's beside the point. Well, he's, he's done 600 episodes plus of General Hospital and Days of Our Lives. And in those moments, I was just thinking, man, this is so soapy. Like, this is not what I want. In, that's his expertise. In, in this movie. And it, it is his expertise, and he was doing it expertly. It's just not what I wanted. Sorry, I just found another really funny line in the Wikipedia recap. Uh, meanwhile, the rest of Allison's group are kept outside, where the men are intimidated by a physically powerful and exceptionally tall teen named Jared. Oh yes, Jared. <laughs> there's a lot of a lot. There's a lot of teens in this children yeah, of the corn movie. Uh, wanna, actually, can we talk about that really quick? Where are the children? They this, grew is up. Teen, this is teens well, of the corn. The, the kids come out at the end and they're like, will we see the eternal flame? Will we go into the silo oven? Yeah, and, and then those people are like 12. Like, well, that's if a child, I want children I of the corn, I want like a six-year-old with a knife. I, yeah. want, I want a toddler. <laughs> well, you get, you get a baby though, so I feel like it kind of like balances yeah. out, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Infant... So, so teenager. we get that we get that like opening reveal where um they're driving around with sex dolls in the convertible. It's the late nineties and it sure feels like it. And then they go and she just goes and starts stealing some corn and then they get lost in the corn and then suddenly they're being attacked by the children of the corn in a flat part of the corn that was just sort of conveniently there, uh, to sort of let everybody circle around and be like, It's 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 the corn kids and we're here to attack you. Um <laughs> Corey, I I'm keeping track of all the different ways you managed to say children of the corn in this episode. So far you've done the corn children, the corn kids, and the teens of the corn. Corn kids is my favorite sort of serial spin-off television series. Yeah, I feel like the corn kids is like the boxcar children. Yeehaw. <laughs> anyway, um, this movie, I don't know, it's it's almost tough to talk about because it's got so many, like, cliches in it that, like, to verbally describe are not compelling. Like, they hole up in a farmhouse and the cops want them to leave and the small town is weird. And um, there's all sorts of uh, adolescent corn livers. And uh, <laughs> that was not my best effort. Um, they're just like... You have the religious fanatic. I don't know. It's tough to talk about 
because like i just want to talk about the dumb stuff that's funny but i don't feel like that like adequately describes what the movie is actually like unfortunately i mean i think i would like this movie more if it were just all that dumb stuff that we'd want to talk about unfortunately i think this movie uh the boring bits that that i described um kind of permeate the whole thing and it doesn't end up using those cliches in a fun way you know when it first cut from the cold opening in the corn to the to the kids with the blow-up doll in the car i was thinking this is awesome this is a post scream slasher movie you've got these uh young adults that are all gathered around and and sort of talking and in their best witty uh their best witty dialogue and i'm thinking i'm excited to see these people get picked off one by one and then a little later in the movie they come up upon this abandoned house you know a rural house and i'm thinking this is a great setting i am so excited to see what happens to them but then from that point on i thought the movie really hit a lull and um just devolved into um writing that didn't seem like it was really going anywhere uh the soap opera stuff i i i wasn't a big fan of because it 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 just felt so out of place in this movie that should be a whole lot of dumb stuff i thought at at that point it was taking itself too seriously and um, i think it takes the cult a bit too seriously as well and when it turned out that we were 50 minutes into this movie and all of our main cast was still alive you know i was i was pretty bummed out i think the movie starts strong with that uh slasher kill you described in the cornfield in the opening and then i think from that point on, it it takes until the last twenty minutes until I really got into the movie again. But to me, the 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 time in between, like, I mean, I don't necessarily go to see movies to like satiate like a like a bloodlust. Even a movie like like Children of the Corn, <laughs> you know. Uh, I don't see movies to get out my homicidal rage. But but if I did, but. Children of the Corn, I think, like, I didn't think that that middle portion was necessarily dead space or that I was, like, that I was bored. I thought, I I found myself kind of, like, enjoying it or just kind of, like, passively watching it. Like, yeah, like, whatever, they're doing this, they're doing that. Like, I was not enthralled, but I was not bored. And I find myself very, like, comfortable in, in old cliches. Like, even even though like I'm, I'm sometimes allergic to them, like I still like appreciate them to a degree. Like I'm comfortable with that Scooby-Doo town that doesn't trust us. The sheriff is suspicious of us. You better go home and catch your car and our, Oh no, our car is on fire. I guess we're stuck here and there's beers in the cellar. We're having a good time. And like, I'm, I'm very comfortable with that and i don't necessarily hate it I yeah I, I think it's a great movie to watch while you're like cleaning your house yeah that, this <laughs> i mean is the movie. on on the contrary to mitch's taste i watched a slasher movie called blood rage twice this week so that's where i was coming <laughs> at this from. i would you have liked, liked more is, blood and more homicidal rage. you wanted more blood rage you needed several more physically powerful and exceptionally tall teenagers named jared yeah just There's, going around fucking people up um i do like that this movie is like you know what we're gonna do we're gonna have a baby with fire eyes and a corn god 
but also we're going to introduce the slow demise of how an emotionally vulnerable person gets indoctrinated into a cult very easily <laughs> because Ava Mendez sure sacrifices herself to the corn God. Um, Pointless with, with very little provocation. Yeah. Uh, she just sort of reads some of their texts and is like, you know, I really think they're onto something with like this corn Jesus guy. I think I'm going to go jump in that silo now that Allison's brother is, is not interested. Um, and like, I don't understand what, because I feel like it doesn't, that doesn't give Ava Mendez like resolution. Yeah. Right. Like, it's just like, okay, she's gone, I guess. Uh, she, she had, she's profoundly <laughs> underwritten. I feel like that's a common trend and it's a word, a phrase I keep using every time I come on this show. But, yeah, welcome to the party, pal. But, but like, it's like, ah, my heels well, hurt. I'm running after the car. Give me a piggyback. Okay, she okay, can't be. Right she back. can't be underwritten. We know that she's hypoglycemic. Mm. Character detail like that couldn't possibly be underwritten. You're right. You're right. That's a good point. But you know, but I, I still stand. Uh, I still stand by what I'm saying. You know, like <laughs> I wore heels. Like, let give me a piggyback. Yeah, no, that one night like, stand meant nothing to me. And then it's she's like, just like this movie's like quote-unquote like the ditzy one it's very yeah oh yeah but not interesting again like with those cliches like there's there's a part of me that is so sort of familiar part of everybody is so familiar with them nevertheless when i watch crap like this i like checking the boxes and i'm not i'm not sure what it is but uh but uh, i just like it like it's like a checklist and i'm like oh there's comfort and like familiar stuff yeah much like david carradine showing up on set for an afternoon and just capital a acting yeah <laughs> like just showing up and he's like i'm gonna do my david carradine thing all <laughs> over this movie and then my head's gonna explode and i'm just gonna leave i'm gonna be a charismatic whimsical old man in a few scenes and talk a bit about my theology i gave them purpose i gave them dun, 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 dun. Like, <laughs> i i've presented to the to these young people, they're, they're the young people of the corn now. Yeah, they're the cornified youngsters. Yeah, I, I, and um, I, I'm still trying to figure out why uh, uh, there there is a kid who has attempted to kill somebody with like a butane torch. That is an ineffective murder method. I feel like that's not the point, though. I feel like the point is not. Necessarily I know it's not to be effective. It's to you know. <laughs> be a torturous little little demon little little shit Except he's not even little like he looks like he's my age no but... no they're all too old yeah they're all too old it's like the cast of grease um... in the corn <laughs> <laughs> i also do like how um uh oh liam i've let myself down once again i have a note that just says holy shit that was fucking crazy what the fuck oh my god i don't know what it's about is it your last note no <laughs> <laughs> not the baby fire eyes i don't know what it could be oh wait no i think it's the head exploding it's the head exploding that, yeah. that was have this is shockingly bloody yeah that that was amazing and shocking and i just think that if this movie is willing to go there it should have gone there way more, more often more more often just because i don't think it had the chops to make that middle section work for me without you know? like a, an extra kill or two yeah really four people should have been in that convertible yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I just think it's a, it's a not enough cooks in the kitchen issue. I, I really do think that this movie could could increase by a couple really valuable 
points writers. of enjoyment for me if it had <laughs> if it had another writer or just it like if it if it weren't number five in the series just getting rushed out to video which i assume it was and and there had been a bit more minds coming together saying oh, you know what maybe if we go this way maybe if we put something else in in the middle here i think like studio interference quote unquote um i i think could have benefited this movie just because it, it feels like it needs a bit of an edit in order to to really reach its full potential but i mean that the head split is so so awesome um and i think that the movie has those sparks of really bright moments and not and not just the gore i mean i think there's some genuinely creepy stuff like in in the bar when the teens are first kind of getting their bearings in this town and they're hearing from the adults what's going on here um and and uh it's sort of eerie i i like that a lot i like the setting um I like oh, yeah, them like... stumbling upon the house. You know, there, there's a lot of cool ideas here that I just think should have been better honed in. It, it eventually gets to the point where there's so many, I'd say, subplots going on just within this group where every character sort of has their own thing happening, where our, our main character is uh, after her brother at this corn so- at, at, at in the cult. But then we also have some characters that are getting indoctrinated into the cult. Um, two dudes who just don't really know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. yeah and, and then there's um, a bit of relationship drama within there. And while that does sound OK on paper that, you know, each character has their own goal they each have their own uh trials and and uh you know you want that for each character to feel fleshed out i think that the movie um undercuts it because it's so i'd say because it's so short because we end up just getting to head splitting territory anyway um because the acting and the writing isn't uh where it needs to be to make me believe all that stuff and so i think this movie just needs more of a focus to really be you know the sort of cult horror schlock that i i would eagerly return to whereas as is it's just the sort of movie that i I would probably put on again 10 years from now because i'd be like man I really feel like spending some time in a cornfield. I've seen all the other children of the corns at this point, and I want to see David Carradine's head get melted and split. And uh, and this is the one where that happens. You know, it's not without value, this movie. Yeah. Um, do we all agree that it's deeply, deeply hilarious when Allison throws that kid into the silo? Yes. I thought it was really funny. <laughs> Can we also talk about sort of, the... Uh, he just sort of goes like, whoa! <laughs> I, also, I also found myself laughing when like the when the firefighters show up because like this this town has the most deplorable like emergency services of all time. We know <laughs> we know that a fire has been smoldering in that silo for like days, weeks, months because the bartender says it and only then during the climax of the, the film does like ah oh, like, shit guess we better put out the fire and then like the fire <laughs> comes and then the fire spreads because it has a mind of its own and it consumes the firefighters like it's i found myself laughing during that part just because of how obscene that whole sequence was and it's i know it's not like intentionally funny and they're like oh yes i I do kind of think that might be intentionally funny you think so there are enough there are enough things in this movie that are intentionally funny yeah that I think it might be. Well, they kind of give... just show up for comic relief, like like 
the two stooges and like it's it's uh, just like this slapstick bit like yep yeah, we're gonna put up this fire that's been burning for years we're gonna extinguish the corn god yeah i love it and then it's... and then the fireman ends up burning for years too they really linger on that fire <laughs> yeah every, assume... every time they walk by it's like yep yeah, like still burning yeah <laughs> <laughs> I assume that was Kane Hodder doing that fire stunt. I mean, he's he's a, a legend when it comes to fire stunts, and so I bet that was him. But man, they really linger on on this dude on fire. He he's on top of the silo, and then he falls off, and then he's running on the ground, still on fire. They were really proud of that fire stunt, and it just shows me that like. Um, it seems like if they know where their bread is buttered in that regard, you got a guy on fire, you you want to show it all. It feels like they I just think they should have come up with more more moments like that instead of milking the this one fire stunt that they have. Um, and, and I also thought it was supposed to be taken seriously too, but that was Oh, well, me. there you go. Um I just had a thought. Um so Ava Mendez's character when she goes into the silo says that she is 17 years old correct yeah uh, we can all yeah, agree it's turning okay. 18, yeah. yeah why then see because i feel like the thing that this movie got wrong is and we've said this multiple times but like why is everyone else also looking like they're just all 17 years old or older 33. like i 34 35 whatever like i don't like i don't understand what like children of the corn children kids of the corn like i feel like it's missing that element of like um disorientation from it being a child by the fact of how old all these other extras are and then our main characters are also that age and all the actors look the same but you can just say these people are however old or young as you want to make your point and it's just like what do we i don't know i feel like that's just the more I've, we've sat here and talked about it i'm like man why is that like that? Where are the kids? You know, where are the kids? They we have one they... kid. That main kid. He looks like the kid from Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, yeah. that gets lost in the in the circus or whatever the fuck. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he's controlling David Carradine's mind. He's splitting his brain in half. He's conjuring lightning. He's getting thrown into silos. He's doing all kinds of shit. But he's really the only one who's like that is a kid. Everyone else is like that is a teenager or older. Like. If you're like 15, you're not a child of the corn. That's what I'm saying. Well, I'm taking a stand. They're all in the cornfield, man. Like you, they might be. They're they're there, but like you don't see them in the cornfield. But you know they're there from the shoddy beast cam and the quick editing. Like and at a child's height, right? They're they're there, but you sure as shit don't see them. <laughs> Corey, it's actually the title of this movie is a typo. The intention of the writer was that these are all children of the they're all fans of the new metal band Korn. Children so, of the Korn. So they need to be teenagers because right. you know you're not gonna have, be that's right. Yeah. Your mom's not gonna let you listen to corn if you're like eleven. <laughs> exactly. Are you fucking um, kidding me? No, Corey, I, I thought the same thing as well. I really started to realize it. Um I'd say in the last third of the movie when it just feels like a whole lot of college aged drama, both with the, the protagonist group and with the villainous group, or at least potentially villainous. Cause you get a bit of a interaction with the cult where you, you, the, 
they're being presented as, oh, maybe maybe they're not so bad, you know, um, as they're luring Eva Mendez in. It, they're not always a presence of, uh, you know, um, they're not always sinister whenever they're on screen. And so it, it, it feels like it takes... Uh, an angle that I'm far less interested in, which is like it's like it's an episode of Baywatch without any surfing, but it's it's an episode where like this week's subplot is it's the cult episode of Baywatch where it's all all these kids in a cult in a cornfield, but they've all got to be they've all all got to be of age and they've all got to be like relatable to the young adult viewer, and I just think that is far less scary and far less interesting you know the the first movie um there are teens in and in the and in this short story there are teens in this cult because um the idea is that the the corn god uh, has a hold of you until you're 19 years old. And then when, on the day of your 19th birthday, that's when you sacrifice yourself to the corn god. And so 19 years old is the cap in this town. There's no one over the age of 19 because and all those people have the, been slaughtered. In this movie, they did change it to 18. And they actually note because it's it's because of the end of the first movie. Yes, yeah. And that <laughs> that, that, that happens in the short story as well. That's that's oh, the cool. end. Yeah. yeah, that's the end of the short story that it's now it's now been changed to eighteen. Um and so in the movie and and in the short story, you have these villainous characters that aren't uh you know, explicitly children. They're they're older and um and and they're and in the movie, I mean the presence is these are clearly like seventeen year old kids, but uh, that works f- for two reasons, I think, in that first movie, which I really liked. I really do like that first movie. Um, I think it works for two reasons. One, it's because um, there are still young children at the center of this cult as your villains. Your your main, uh, your two main villainous characters are kids, and they have a lot to do beyond just saying creepy things like Ezekiel does in this movie they actually get their hands dirty you see kids killing people you see kids all bloody and messed up um with like dirt and gunk and um and by the climax you're really seeing some some stark uh kid action where like kids are being sacrificed and stuff and it's it's really unsettling because um you're looking at it as like a 10 year old kid um so i think it works in that regard and two it works because the main characters your protagonists in that first movie are adults it's it's a couple one of them is linda hamilton actually from terminator um and so you have that like juxtaposition of adults and they're being presented uh with these antagonists who are much clearly younger than them even if it's not the 10 year old kid uh isaac who i've heard returns in the next movie even if it's not the 10 year old kid and it's the 17 year old like right hand man it's still very different because the the protagonists of the movie are in their 30s and like they're married and they're coming from a very different place whereas in this movie Corey, you pointed it out um it's hard to distinguish between the cult members and the protagonists because they all look like they're about the same age and so i think that really muddies up the waters here and 
steal robs the movie of a whole lot of tension and suspense and i i can't help but think if it's just like a a budgetary thing i mean it's it's harder to work with kids it's it's harder to shoot with young kids um and so i just wonder if they had to to up the ages uh for that reason which is why at the very end that's that's like basically the only time you see the younger kids and you give them a bit of lines because um uh, they weren't able to get them for the entire movie. I don't know, but I think the movie ends up lacking because of that. I would have loved to see much younger kids here because I, I like killer kids movie. I like killer kids movies. I mean, there's one called Bloody Birthday that's from the 80s about uh, 13-year-old kids that start killing their parents. There's a movie from 2008 called The Children that is about kids like 10 and under who start killing their parents and i just think it's a creepy image pet cemetery same thing it's like a three-year-old killing someone oh my god that's that's freaking scary he doesn't um, have the physical stamina for that well i'm exactly. writing all these down and i'm never going to see them because it is in direct <laughs> opposition of my tenets so i i i I simply will not watch Bloody Birthday or any of those movies because as a policy, I hate killer kids movies. So what are we going to do, Mitch, when we roll another Children of the Corn movie on our William Castle film genre? What then? Hmm. Well, I mean, uh, maybe I'm here. Maybe I'm not. Uh, Mitch, maybe, Mitch had maybe to bow he's... out from this episode for moral, ethical, and religious reasons. <laughs> yeah. He's a uh, he's a uh, he's crafting a crop circle. Yeah, it was against <laughs> my principles. I couldn't. Oh, the it. crop children. There we go. There's another. There's the another crop one. There children. you go. Nice corn pop kids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's what Dude, me and my I friends love, called each other. And I love their cover albums. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Their version of Africa tight. <laughs> I don't know how much more I have to say about this. Movie. I was going to ask if we wanted to just segue right into the William Castle film. General, I think that's, see, uh, that's seamless. Let's do it. So Liam, how yeah. many movies do we have within the William Castle film general as of now? I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. We have crossed the, uh, the 300 mark. You're absolutely right. Corey, we have, we are now up to with Mitch's inclusions now. Ooh. He helped us out here. We've got 316. Holy shit. And you got remember at least one of those is a Children of the Corn movie. So That's true. In. Austin 316. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh and uh, Inspector Gadget too. It's in there. We might land on it someday. All right, spin um, the spin the wheel if you're if you're feeling up to it. Big money. No skeletons. Three, two, one. Spin. No children, Ooh. no children, no children. It's a low one, relatively speaking. Mm. I hope it's I hope it's high in quality though. That's all I'll say. Don't we all? Ninety one. <laughs> Mitch, I'm gonna tell you right now, I would not get your hopes up if we added it to the list that early. Oh no. Alright. Uh ninety one, everybody. We just missed at number ninety, the Children of the Corn reboot. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? So I think we have to thank Mitch for giving us one additional wow. movie to add to the list. Otherwise, 
I don't know how my math checks out, but we might have landed on Children of the Corn 2000. Here it just says Children of... Okay, this is what I mean about Children of the Corn. I wrote down at number 90, so this was probably near the start of the podcast, maybe like late 2019, early 2020. I wrote down Children of the Corn Reboot. And so at the time, that would have referred to 2009 because that was the only Children of the Corn reboot out. But in late 2020, another Children of the Corn reboot came out. And so it could be either one of them at this point. I can't believe how close we were to that. Liam, if you reveal that 92 is Children of the Corn 6, I'm going to lose my mind. You know, not many movies made 2020, low year for movies output, but uh, apparently Children of the Corn kept going. Oh yeah, they shot during the pandemic too. It's and then it came oh, yeah, out. That, in, that was top priority. And then it COVID came out ravaging the and world. Then it came you know out what everybody in needs? Theaters. It came out in theaters in October. Limited. But you know what I need to do, run. Liam? I don't have a single vaccine dose in me. But you know what I just can't wait for? I simply can't wait. Another okay. Children of the Corn film. I'm gonna go down to that theater right now. I'm gonna put on 16 masks. I'm gonna, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna corn up. <laughs> and you know what, Corey? I even did some research on the 2020 Children of the Corn movie. I did a little Corey Price patented cast and crew action, and I learned that one of the kids of the corn in that movie, I assume, she might not be a kid of the corn. Maybe she's a, a, a kid of the of the city, and she encounters the kids <laughs> of the corn. Of the barley is, or the wheat. But she is a... a, a, a she is an actress in My Big Fat Greek Wedding, too. Oh, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there you go. Anyway, we're not talking about that, so it doesn't matter. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully not for a while. But who knows? With this is gonna be the, the world's longest drum roll. Right, what, what the hell is above it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now, so you did roll ninety-one, right? I just want to make sure. That's correct. Okay. So ninety was Children of the Corn reboot. Dodge that <laughs> corn-shaped <laughs> bullet. And ninety-two is the Sandlot two. Oh, okay. Which uh, more kids, less corn. Less killing. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to get to that one day. It feels right that we just missed it because uh, I think that'll be a summer push. You know, if we don't land on that in the summer, I think I'll make sure we do that one before summer's over this year. But uh, what we actually got, everyone, um, 91 is Ace Ventura. Fuck. Two. Oh, thank God. I thought you were going to say Junior. You know what, Corey? Holy shit. You know what? Oh, what? No, no. All that I had written on the list was Ace Ventura. <laughs> and so I I made the, I took the editorial uh, reins here and I slapped a two next to it because Thanks, I, I wasn't going to let myself mean Ace Ventura Jr. So we have to watch Ace Ventura 2, When Nature Calls. I'm pretty sure I've seen it. Um, is that the moment he comes out of the elephant? And he yells a lot. So that's I think it's a rhino. Oh, Whatever. Oh. Who cares? Right. Um, uh, tough. If anybody's wondering why we're so deflated, uh, comedy mm. is a tough sell on this show, typically. Yeah, I think our um, one and only lost episode is a comedy movie. Here. That is, is that correct. Right? I believe we've named the film, so I'm willing to name the film. Of course. Uh, we did an episode on Hangover 3, which in a lot of ways isn't really a comedy, just for not being funny, but just like in terms of genre in the Alex Trebek pronunciation. Um, it's like a, like a crime thrillery structure. Uh, it's also just so mind numbingly boring uh, that I, I pushed for it and we agreed that 
it just doesn't make very compelling conversation. It's that <laughs> underwhelming. Even though we did have the conversation. We, we recorded had, the episode. Yeah, it was yeah, out We there. recorded the episode and we were done and we were talking after it was over and we were just like, was that even, was that even interesting? <laughs> like, is this movie even worth discussing? Uh, we decided the answer was no. Um, hopefully, lightning does not strike twice. At least we, we've got some Jim Carrey talk that we can do, so that'll be good. Yeah, I'm going to see how long this movie is. I kind of hate it's... Jim Carrey. Wow, we'll, well have to get into that. Save it. Oh my I'm, god, it's I'm an hour and 40 minutes. Oh my god. Hang on, IMDb says an hour and 30 minutes. Okay. They can't even decide that, so you know it's really shit. Oh, IMDb is usually right and Google's usually wrong. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, Ace Ventura Pet Detective returns from a spiritual quest to investigate the disappearance of a rare white bat, the sacred animal of a tribe in Africa. This movie's going to be racist, isn't it? It's very possible. I think this movie's going to be uh, kind of racist. Oh boy. Okay. Well, everybody brace yourselves for that. And, um, we will be back next week with uh, our boy Ace. Mm. Ventura Pet Detective. So, with that out of the way, everybody sort of, you know, reeling. Mitch, is there anything you want to plug or are you just going to do the usual? That's a little too loud, I think. Is that... <laughs> does he forget how to leave his own apartment when he does this? sounded like he slapped his roommate on the it way It sounded out. like he was slapping a, a lot of his friends. <laughs> um, I expected Stone Cold Steve Austin's <laughs> music to start playing. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Liam, what about you? Would you like to plug some stuff? Yeah, you guys can follow my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow. You can follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price, and you can check out that podcast I've been plugging all episode, MK PodQuest. I do it with a friend, Neil. We're done talking about that show, so you can go through the whole thing. We're working our way through movies and books and comics and all sorts of stuff now. You can find that at MK PodQuest all over the place. Uh, and with that out of the way, thank you all once again for listening to this episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. It's not currently up to date. Maybe someday I'll get it there again. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everywhere else as they made another one. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and your favorite term for Children of the Corn. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson, who you can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And there might be an update to that coming soon, so watch for that. And with that out of the way, we'll catch you here next time for more. They made another one. <laughs>